0: All right, everybody, it is Tuesday, February 14th, Valentine's Day. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Moshe Wanunu.
1: And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts.
0: And reread all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Uh, Jill, the one story we're trying to really get our heads around right now is, has it been aliens we've been (laughs) shooting down or not? Because that is all I'm getting questions about. And we're trying to get to the bottom of right now.
1: And most, there are no answers. That's the thing. And as much as White House officials say, nope, not aliens, nothing to see here. I feel like it's just more fun to think that they're aliens (laughs) as opposed to what?
0: (laughs) And would they tell us, like, is it a good idea to tell Americans, uh, hey, we actually have discovered aliens and uh, we're trying to figure it out right now whether they're coming in peace. Like, what would happen in this country? I feel like some countries might be okay. Ours, not so much. So I think the White House is smart even if even if there's intelligent life getting shot down over Lake Huron uh to you know keep us out of the loop right now.
1: And on that note, let's get to the headlines here. We still don't know much about those three objects shot down over the United States and Canada over the weekend, but the White House again insisting that they are not aliens. What they know and what they still don't know. The latest from that Ohio train derailment and chemical burn what the EPA is now revealing to residents there. An alert to parents that the kids are not all right. A new study about mental health in young people with particular concerns about teen girls. Adidas doesn't know what to do with all of their Kanye West gear. Record warm temps have us seeing an early spring, but it's not all good news. Amy Poehler and Tina Fey taking their comedy on the road. And Mosh has On This Day.
0: All right, we're going to start the podcast here with a bit of breaking news overnight of a school shooting at Michigan State University. It's unfortunate we have to be in another podcast with another uh, mass shooting here. The suspect in Lansing, Michigan, shot victims at least two locations on the campus late Monday night. As of our last update, just after midnight Eastern time, at least three people are dead Five other victims are injured here. Keep in mind, the Michigan State campus is a campus of 50,000 students, 5,000 acres. They went under a shelter-in-place order. Uh, Everything was shut down and canceled for the next two days as uh, they were searching for the suspect overnight, dealing with the aftermath. Just after midnight, uh, they were able to corner the suspect. The suspect appears to have died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound uh, as police continue to update things Overnight, the suspect, a black male, jean jacket, red shoes, uh, was seen um, across campus as students were sheltering in place, calling the police, Uh, was trying to monitor uh, scanner traffic overnight as uh, we watched the developments there. Again, as of just after midnight Eastern time, it appears the suspect, after killing at least three, injuring five others, took his own life. We'll be updating all the details on the Mo News Instagram feed all day long. On Tuesday, you can catch that over at Atmos at M-O-S-H-E-H as things develop. And Jill, I know we have an update on Balloon Gate, UFO Gate, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it was certainly an interesting day in Washington as uh, the White House is looking to answer some of our questions here on what has been flying over the U.S. and Canada over the last week.
1: The Biden administration addressed the incidents Monday, but says it still has not yet determined who owns those three unidentified flying objects that were shot down since Friday, one in Alaska, another in Canada, and another over Lake Huron off the coast of Michigan. it's not often that a White House briefing begins like this. I just listened to the White House Press Secretary.
0: There is no, again, no indication of aliens or extraterrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. Again, there is no indication of aliens or terrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. Wanted to make sure that the American people knew that, all of you knew that, uh, and it was important for us to say that from here because we've been hearing a lot about it. Um, I
1: I I'm not. I'm just you know
0: I loved E. T. the movie, but I'm I'm just gonna leave it there.
1: Most the best part is that you can hear the laughter from the media, um, <laughs> national.
0: <laughs> it's it's nervous laughter though, Jill. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like, is it is it E. T.? Uh, <laughs> national Security Council spokesperson John Kirby also addressing the press, saying that they don't believe these flying objects pose a threat to the U. S. on the ground but that they did pose a very real threat to civilian air traffic. Kirby saying, we know the first one was Chinese. That was the one from last month. They admitted it. They claimed it was a weather balloon. We know it's not. These three, we don't have attribution for right now. We don't know. We don't know who owns them. The debris still hasn't been recovered because each fell in remote areas So Moshe, as we talked about yesterday, we know the military is keeping a closer eye on the skies since that first Chinese balloon was spotted last month. The question now is just, are there more balloons and objects in the air or are we just paying more attention to it?
0: Yeah, that's the big question. And they think they have a partial explanation. I actually want to play more, Jill, of what John Kirby had to say. Reminder, he's the National Security Council spokesperson, uh, spent years at the Pentagon. Uh, Here's a bit more of what he had to say.
1: The United States and Canada through NORAD Have been more closely scrutinizing that airspace including enhancing our radar capabilities which as the commander of northcom and norad general van herk said just last night may at least partially explain the increase in the objects that have been detected
0: so that's kirby there saying we have more equipment that is more sensitive here to pick this stuff up coming out of Uh, The balloon from China a couple of weeks ago, meaning there's been stuff this size that they shut down uh, everything this weekend smaller than what the Chinese balloon was. And it may mean that we've had stuff this size that's been floating about over the Americas, over the world uh, for years now. We just haven't picked it up the White House and Pentagon saying, you know, there's stuff floating above us from companies, from academics, from countries, some doing scientific research, some of it not nefarious at all. But what's interesting here about these three things that have been shut down, no one's claiming them yet. You know, at least in the Chinese case, like you said, you know, he's like, well, they claimed it. Uh, they lied about it, but they claimed it. Uh, and so that is where we stand. So it's interesting that you had Kareem Jean-Pierre, the bite you played, saying it's definitely not aliens. And at the same time, Kirby and Pentagon being like, yeah, but we still don't know what it is. So how can you rule out aliens, et cetera? Jill, we're being facetious, though, just kind of here, right?
1: You make a good point about no one claiming them because, of course, they could really belong to anybody. They could belong to a university doing research. Really, they could be weather balloons. Right. But you would think that if they belonged to a university that was using them for research, they would just say, oh, th- those were ours.
0: Right, right. Like three Ph.D. meteorology students from the University of whatever, Wisconsin, Michigan, who were like, yeah, our weather balloon got away. Sorry about that, Pentagon. Um, so it, that's what we know. If people want to breathe a little bit easier, these three objects, the ones over Alaska, Canada and Michigan, were smaller than that Chinese surveillance balloon, lacked communication signals, had no ability to maneuver themselves, at least the based on, again, uh, the pilots up there. The issue we had was they were floating between 20,000 to 40,000 feet That is sort of where commercial aviation flies, and that is why uh, they felt the need to knock these things out of the sky. CNN got a memo uh, Monday afternoon that the Pentagon sent to Congress. Of course, we love Congress. Congress loves to leak, and so that's why we know about this memo. They said that the device over Canada was a small silver cylinder device with things tethered to it. Uh, Jill, I'm going to just take a moment here to say, if intelligent life out there has traveled from another galaxy, light years to get here, and the device they bring to Earth is like can't really maneuver itself and can easily get shut down by uh, our technology in F-22. I'd kind of be shocked by that. I, I, I would assume they, they could do better than that if it's traveled all this all this uh, time to get here.
1: Yeah, come on, aliens. Show us what you got. <laughs>
0: Jill, before we leave the subject, I wanted to just do a little context here. People forget that as recently as late last month, the Pentagon declassified a report uh, admitting that we had found more than 500 UFOs in recent years. They actually went through all of them. Uh, For the most part, they could explain most of them away through drones and human stuff, debris, etc. Though, according to that report put out last month, 100 of the objects still remain unexplained. And so this has been going on for years. If you talk to commercial pilots, they all have these like weird stories of seeing weird bright lights or weird movement out there. Uh, Almost all of them have these types of stories. And uh, before we leave, we should mention the Chinese were asked about this on Monday. uh, And they threw out the claim that the U.S. is actually flown 10 balloons over China recently, uh, though they did not provide any evidence and the White House was quick to dismiss that.
1: As far as learning more about those last three objects, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, recovery efforts now underway to salvage all the downed objects, but finding them can actually be an arduous process. Those shot down in Canada and Alaska are in icy remote terrain. And the third shot down over Lake Huron, now lies in what's probably very deep water. This is all according to defense officials. Uh, John Kirby, again, saying that they're going to do everything they can to find them. And that will tell us a lot. Or have they disappeared, Mosh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jill, I've been using the Unsolved Mysteries theme song in some of my Instagram stories. because, like, If you're a product of the 90s, nothing freaks you out more than the Unsolved Mysteries theme song.
1: I wonder if the Biden administration is secretly happy that we're not talking about classified documents anymore.
0: You know what, Jill? Now you're getting to the conspiracy (laughs) theories out there, which is like, people are already texting me being like, well, this is all a big distraction from his mistakes. This is just the government trying to either, some conspiracy theories, we're trying to get into war. Those conspiracy theories always exist. There's then the conspiracy theories that like, this is all a distraction from whatever. Um, I think maybe part of them is enjoying it. But again, we're not privy to what is happening behind the scenes, Jill. Maybe they're genuinely being like, What is happening? Are we, you know, again, no country's claiming credit, no country based on the intelligence pickup, at least that we're admitting, is like freaked out about that they were shooting down their stuff or reacting to it. So what is it exactly?
1: I know there's tons of conspiracy theories. I I was just laughing though, because Politico Nightly, I get their newsletter. The subject is no aliens, but no answers. That's not great press for the the Biden administration.
0: Rest assured, folks, we will stay on top of the story.
1: All right, now to the latest that we're following in the aftermath of the Ohio train derailment. A West Virginia water utility announces this week it's enhancing its water treatment process from the Ohio River as a precaution following the derailment of a train hauling chemicals that later sends up a toxic plume in Ohio West Virginia American Water says it's also going to install a secondary intake on a secondary river in case there's a need to switch to an alternate water source. The utility noted that as of now, there hasn't been any change in raw water at its Ohio River intake. About 50 train cars, including 10 carrying hazardous materials, derailed in a fiery crash on February 3rd in East Palestine, Ohio, just a few miles away from the Ohio River. That runs about a thousand miles through a number of states. That chemical, vinyl chloride, was later released into the air from five of those cars before crews ignited it to get rid of the highly flammable toxic chemicals in a controlled environment, creating a dark plume of smoke.
0: Yeah, Jill, they like to call it controlled, but it was pretty visible for miles away. Uh, They literally evacuated thousands of people in order to do it we talked yesterday about how officials say as of now they have not detected they say unsafe air or water around the crash site uh, and these controlled explosions and they've invited residents to come back but residents are queasy literally and figuratively smelling chemicals itching some having breathing issues some telling reporters uh, that they're still smelling what they feel is just chlorine in the air or smells like chlorine there have been a number of pleas for the epa and authorities to be more transparent here uh and there are already lawsuits out there uh, initially they didn't release the list of all the chemicals this train was carrying we now believe though as of this tuesday that we have learned all the major chemicals uh, on that Norfolk Southern train that derailed in Ohio. The EPA sent a letter to Norfolk stating the chemicals they found so far. Ready for these? I'm going to try my best here. One is called ethylene glycol monobutyl ether. Another one is ethylhexylactyl. Acrylate. Anyway, we'll What's that um, link expression to them.
1: if you if you can't pronounce it, you say they you probably shouldn't eat it. And I guess you probably <laughs> also shouldn't be breathing it in.
0: Exactly. Uh anyway, they the EPA letter, which I've listed um, on the Instagram account, lists all of these. Uh, one of them, the ethyl acrylate, if I'm saying that correctly, is especially concerning because it's a carcinogen, it's cancer causing, and contact with it causes burning or irritation of the skin and eyes. Breathing it can irritate the nose, uh, cause shortness of breath, etc. It does explain why some people are feeling the way they do in that Ohio, Pennsylvania area. Um, One of the other chemicals that we just learned about causes dizziness or drowsiness. It's possible that some of these chemicals could still be present in area homes unless they've been cleaned And so there continue to be questions in the area from residents. Are they detecting enough stuff? Were they overly aggressive in getting people back to their homes, saying everything is okay? The government says the train company, Norfolk Southern, has installed a dam to stop any of these chemicals from getting into major waterways. You mentioned the Ohio River there. Ohio River runs through Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Kentucky. I mean, all the way to the Mississippi. Um, They're going to continue testing here. Uh, Scientists believe you really need major exposure to the stuff to be suffering major effects. At the same time, though, there's very limited studies testing these chemicals on people over time. And that's the concern here. So uh, there is this feeling out there that the story is uh, not being effectively covered. Uh, I will tell everyone who listens to this podcast, the AP, the Washington Post, a lot of major media companies are covering this right now. But this is uh, of... Really, really uh, major concern to people in Ohio, Pennsylvania, people along the Ohio River, and it's something we'll we'll stay on top of here. All right, Jill, before we get to the speed read, we have a few uh, partners to thank this week who are uh, offering special deals for Mo News consumers. Let's start with Athletic Greens. I've been using their AG1 supplement since the fall. The AG1 powder is just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning, easy, quick, and lets you start your day knowing that you've gotten 75 important ingredients, tons of vitamins and minerals, pre- and probiotics to support digestion. Really important stuff. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one year supply of their vitamin D five free travel packs of ag1 as well when you hit the road you can head over to athleticgreens.com slash monews to take advantage of the offer you can also get a discounted monthly subscription or try it just one time for a month to see how it goes for you again that's athleticgreens.com slash monews m-o-n-e-w-s for this special deal that'll really start to let you take ownership of your health Okay. Now let's talk Harry's. Harry's is a brand that I've been using for years now for a great shave. My wife found their aftershave a couple of years ago. I've been a loyal customer ever since recently trying their shaving cream, their razor. And so I'm so excited now that they're joining us as a partner with a special deal for Mo news listeners. I just got one of their five blade razors as well. It has a very nice weighted handle. You can try their shaving gel and their razor with their Truman shave trial set right now. They're offering all of you a $15 value for just $3 at harrys.com slash monews. The Truman set includes a five-blade razor, a foaming shave gel, a travel cover. You can also schedule replacement blade delivery whenever you need them with refills for as little as $2. I'm genuinely a big fan of Harry's. I think you will not be disappointed Again, this is their special deal for Mo News listeners. The $15 Truman Shave Trial Set for just $3 at harrys.com slash News. That's harrys, H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com slash News for the $3 trial set. Check it out today.
1: Time now for the speed read from the Washington Post. A warning for parents of teens regarding mental health. Teen girls across the United States are engulfed in a growing wave of violence and trauma. This is according to federal researchers who released data yesterday showing increases in rape and sexual violence, as well as record levels of feeling sad or hopeless. Most of these numbers are incredible here. Nearly one in three high school girls reported in 2021 that they seriously considered suicide. That is up nearly 60% from a decade ago. Almost 15% of teen girls said that they were forced to have sex. That is an increase of 27% over two years, and the first increase since the CDC started to track it. One official with the CDC says, if you think about every 10 teen girls that you know, at least one and possibly more has been raped, and that is the highest level that we have ever seen. Almost three in five teenage girls reported feeling so persistently sad or hopeless almost every day for at least two weeks in a row during the previous year that they stopped regular activities, a figure that was double the share of boys and the highest in a decade, according to the data. Girls fared worse on other measures, too. Higher rates of alcohol and drug use than boys and higher levels of being electronically bullied, according to this report. 13% had attempted suicide during the past year compared to 7% of boys.
0: So for context here, this was a study done of 17,000 American adolescents in the fall of 2021. So keep in mind, uh, some at that stage were still having school from home or coming off of the uh, pandemic. So that's something that researchers are trying to figure out how that factored in here. Uh, They're also trying to figure out whether girls are just more aware of depressive symptoms than boys, to try to explain this gender gap here, or more inclined to report them, or whether girls are actually far worse off than young boys. A psychologist over at Harvard is quoted in one of the stories saying, there probably is not a single cause to explain the data, but rather a whole bunch of causes that vary by race, ethnicity, class, culture, access to mental health resources, and to what extent the pandemic and the shutdowns and the quarantines were still impacting uh, the various kids involved in this study. One thing that psychologists says, though, is that girls are more likely to respond to pain in the world by internalizing conflict, stress, and fear, whereas boys are more likely to translate those feelings into anger and aggression. Boys are more likely to mask depression initially, while girls may be more vulnerable to social media, uh, culture-obsessed with attractiveness, body image, etc., and again, be more open uh, when it comes to those answering those questions. We all know that the pandemic has taken a heavy toll on teens who have already struggled with depression, anxiety, uh, thoughts of suicide. It's really something you can go back decades uh, and it's been an issue, but the the numbers here are striking and concerning to officials who uh, track this stuff. One thing I will add is that the study did find improvements in a few areas, including a decrease in risky sexual behavior uh, and uh, a decrease in the misuse of prescription meds like opioids. As well as uh, a drop in alcohol use among this age group.
1: Either way, Moshe, absolutely frightening. And just back to that headline number: nearly one in three high school girls reported that they seriously considered suicide. That is heartbreaking. That that's a that is a serious serious a problem. It is a crisis. Yeah. And I, the problem is, there's no. Easy answer to it, which is what we like in this country. <laughs> resources,
0: resources. They just want, you know, that's that's the one thing people will say. But resources cost money and require personnel, right? And require parents who will bring their kids to that, and kids who will respond to that. And and so it's not just as 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 simple as as writing a check in some cases. So it's something that, uh, as they say, it t- takes a village if we're looking to get ourselves out of the situation. And you know, I think people continue to look at the impact of social media, which is still only about 10 years old when it comes to this age group and its uh, long-term effects and really how it's affecting kids day to day.
1: From NBC News, Adidas said late last week that it's at risk of losing as much as $1 billion in operating profits if it fails to successfully offload its inventory of Kanye West-designed Yeezy merchandise. Adidas dropped West in October over the rapper's racist and anti-Semitic remarks. Adidas has previously derived as much as 10% of its total annual revenues, approximately $2 billion from its Yeezy line. That's one reason cited by analysts to explain why Adidas took longer to itself from the controversial musician than other brands after he made a series of hateful remarks about Jewish people while also wearing a White Lives Matter shirt. Although some analysts had forecast that Adidas would be able to repurpose the Yeezy inventory if it was stripped of the Yeezy label, Adidas warning that it could decide not to do so, something that would result in the company's operating profit falling by an additional five hundred and thirty three million
0: dollars well so we're talking a billion to 1.5 billion of potential losses there uh yeezy is coming to a garage sale near you uh <laughs> <laughs> the company described the deal jill as the most significant partnership ever created between a non-athlete and athletic brand this was a huge deal to adidas um to drop him and they're still figuring out i guess what to do with warehouses full of his uh, merchandise getting rid of unwanted leftover products according to npr is a common problem in the retail industry you either resell it at a discount or you donate it there's a few options you consider but adidas here is in a uniquely difficult position of trying to make a profit off of its unsold easy products given the reputational damage and the fact that you know they'll only continue to get grief for making any dollars off of the yay stuff even though We're talking big numbers here, one to one and a half billion dollars. So what can they do? They can remove the Yeezy label and resell the merchandise at a discount at stores here in the US. That would be labor intensive. They would literally need to do it one shoe at a time. It can be a costly process. Um, And Yeezys are very unique, right? They're very distinct. So even if you start pulling stuff off of it, people will be able to tell. And so that is sort of the situation (laughs) Adidas finds itself in right now.
1: Are those Yeezys?
0: <laughs> are, those, are those Yeezys? No, um, <laughs> we drew an extra line on them. They're Yeezys with an extra line. So No,
1: they're Feezys. <laughs> oh, so you haven't heard of that
0: <laughs> there line? <you> go. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? We only sell Feezys here at Adidas. <laughs>
1: Meanwhile, on the note of Kanye West from Vanity Fair, Kanye West has fueled a flurry of anti-Semitic hate on college campuses. In a new report spanning back to October, the Anti-Defamation League recorded at least 25 incidents of anti-Semitism that make some reference to the rapper, some saying Ye was right about the Jews, many of which cropped up on universities. And that, of course, is just what's been reported.
0: Right. Uh, Meanwhile, several Jewish-owned businesses, Holocaust centers, synagogues, have also been subject to harassment from so-called kanye supporters uh, this was always a concern given the reach of his social media jill back in the fall uh, as he was starting to spout those things and, and was given a platform on certain media outlets
1: and even before his outbursts anti-semitism had been on the rise in the u.s for quite a while the adl recorded more anti-semitic incidents in 2021 than in any other year since it first started to track harassment vandalism and violence From the Washington Post, flowers and trees blooming up to three weeks earlier than normal in the eastern United States. It seems spring is already in full bloom across parts of the country where blooms should still be nearly a month away. Parts of the south and southeast are seeing their earliest spring on record this year with leaves already budding on trees as much as three weeks early. Other parts of the south and southeast are seeing their earliest spring in 40 years Contrast that with Southern Arizona, where they're seeing their latest start to spring in 40 years. Much of the early spring has to do with the warm start to 2023. Much of the South and Southeast are off to their top 10 warmest years on record. Several cities are seeing their top five warmest, Houston, Jackson, Nashville, and Atlanta. And this is even more dramatic in the Mid-Atlantic and the Northeast. Philadelphia and New York City are experiencing their warmest start to the year on record, so the early bloom will most likely expand into the northeast in the weeks ahead.
0: Yeah, I'm going to include a link in the show notes uh, to a CNN story that actually has a map. So you'll be able to see uh, how early or how late spring will be coming up near you. Researchers say, Jill, that plants are really sensitive to temperature, humidity, and rainfall. They're sensitive to what they call periods, so the sun and things like that. And they're responding to these triggers in the environment and the cues that the climate is giving them. Spring for a number of years now has been coming early, more frequently, a response to climate change, warmer temperatures, which is a shift for plants and animals. The timing is critical here because when plants bloom is critical for the pollinators who depend on them. So we're talking about nature here. Everything depends on one another. So if the blooms appear early, the blooms could already be gone by the time the pollinators appear, the butterflies, the bees, etc. what the scientists call an ecological mismatch. And what that ends up happening down the road is that the food on our table, the agriculture is all responsive to the pollinators. So when certain plants bloom early and the pollinators uh, come late or what they thought would be the time it was blooming, it could have this sort of down trickle effect, this domino effect. And so you can see this in a number of places. And and that is what concerns um, some botanists, um, some uh, biologists here.
1: So one example that they give is with the monarch butterfly. Scientists have seen the milkweed that they apparently depend on to lay their eggs bloom earlier and earlier, but the butterflies didn't get the memo and they are still Mm. showing up on time to the fields where milkweed's already finished blooming and is gone. And this mismatch, so it may not seem like a big deal, but it actually can have huge implications because one out of every three bites of food that we eat is directly connected to a pollinator- like a butterfly,
0: bees, bats, uh, a, a number of things. B- basically, you don't think about it when you go to the grocery store, but uh, the domino effect of literally an early bloom to the groceries, the fruits and vegetables, uh, and all the foods you're seeing, you know, uh, they're all connected here. So, they, the next supply chain issue we hear about, Jill, the next shortage we hear about, uh, one of them could could be related to one of these bloom issues.
1: Yeah. So when you're out enjoying a nice early spring day, wind in your hair, top down on your car, or whatever radio playing, just think about the food supply chain <laughs> and be miserable. <laughs> Turn that music down right. and, and get yeah, miserable. Yeah.
0: yeah people listening to us on their drive today, enjoying <laughs> like an early warm spring. They're like, way to go motion, Jill. You gave me something to be upset about when I thought I was really enjoying the day so far. The
1: monarch butterflies. Oh.
0: Hashtag, hashtag save the butterflies folks.
1: All right, from Deadline, former Saturday Night Live co stars and real life pals, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, are going to launch their first ever live comedy tour together this spring. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, Restless Leg Tour. It's going to kick off with a limited run of four East Coast shows from April to June. The tour bills itself as a celebration of 30 years of friendship with an evening of jokes, iconic stories and conversational entertainment. Polar and Faye saying, if this tour goes right, (laughs) we can finally end this friendship.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This actually sounds very cool. It begins uh, late April, April 29th at the Constitutional Hall in D.C., which is a very... Cool venue. They'll also play Chicago, Boston, Atlantic City. Uh, So go check it out if uh, there's tickets near you. In addition to their years, of course, on Saturday Night Live, uh, Weekend Update, uh, Polar and Faye have hosted the Golden Globes together a number of times and are just an amazing duo to watch. Uh, Hilarious.
1: So, Moshe, I was wondering why they were only doing four shows because it doesn't seem like a lot, right? Like they're announcing this big tour, but right, they're right. not even coming right, to right. New York tour. City. It's D.C., Chicago, <laughs>
0: Atlantic City, and Boston. That's it.
1: But then I was thinking about what Callie and Jeff Dowler, our production, our awesome production team, tell us from 1022. And they're always like, start out slow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> see how it goes. Because you and I were always yeah. like, we have 100 ideas. We're like, three podcasts a day, blah, blah. And they're like, guys. Yeah. You know, start slow, see what the interest is, see how it goes. And perhaps that's kind of the idea that Amy Poehler and Tina Fey have here.
0: Though they are Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, I feel like they right. would have trouble. <laughs> I think <laughs> so
1: you I'm make thinking, a good point. Yeah. Joe,
0: as much as i like to compare us to Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, are you the Tina Fey and am I Amy Poehler or am I the Amy to your Tina?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you make a very good point. What? Who am I? Here I thought I had this profound analysis on the situation. They're probably just like, Let's see if we even like doing it. <laughs>
0: like, right, we're, right, exactly. we're busy. Like, we don't need we the don't money. We don't really need the money. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, let's head to On This Day now. Uh, this week brought to us by our Mo News partner, Magic Spoon Cereal. Their variety pack, which includes peanut butter, frosty, cocoa, and fruity flavors, uh, are a hit right now. They pack in the nostalgia of the cereals of your youth, but you can do it in a low-carb way gluten-free grain free soy free no sugar magic spoon cereal available over at magicspoon.com mo news for the mo news deal you can grab a variety pack and try today the promo code mo news to get five dollars off your magic spoon cereal All right on this day we begin of course on Valentine's Day so we decided to do a little throwback for all of you and try to get into the origins of Valentine's Day and it looks like like many of these holidays Jill it's a little murky. Because there are multiple St. Valentines, so it depends on which storyline you want to go with. There is the St. Valentine, who was a priest in physician just about the year 270 in Rome. So according to one legend, according to one storyline, they put St. Valentine in prison. Uh, He had penned a letter to his jailer's daughter, who he had fallen in love with, and signed it from your valentine. Though there are other stories, and basically it's all about uh, Catholic saints at the time being imprisoned or mistreated by Roman leadership before the Roman Empire would adopt Christianity. The other popular storyline is that there was another St. Valentine, and and officially there are three St. Valentines, who felt that the decree by the emperor that outlawed marriage for young men was uh, unjust. Effectively, the emperor at the time, Claudius, said, young men should be at war. They should not uh, be able to get married young. I need them to serve as soldiers. So This St. Valentine would defy the emperor and perform marriages for young lovers in secret. That St. Valentine was also imprisoned. The bottom line here, Jill, is that it has to do with Roman times, and it has to do with men named Valentine, who became saints, uh, being mistreated. The saint would become very popular in England France years later. And so that is ultimately where we got the idea of Valentine's Day. And then when it comes to February, uh, there is a sense that the timing here is similar to Christmas, which is there was a pagan holiday during this time. In this case, there was a fertility festival in the Roman era dedicated to the god of agriculture and the Roman founders, Romulus and Remus. And so the church, when officially the Roman Empire became Christian, wanted to replace these pagan holidays with Christian holidays. So the idea is they replace the fertility festival of the Roman times with uh, Valentine's Day.
1: And then you come to the most recent century and retailers are not going to let this holiday go if it's the last thing that they do, (laughs) Mosh. uh, The National (laughs) Retail Federation, I was just Googling this, they say consumers plan to increase Valentine's Day spending to nearly $26 billion dollars. More than half of consumers mm. plan to celebrate and will spend an average of 192 bucks, uh, up from 175 in 2022.
0: Mikey, Deutsch, you hear that? Average <laughs> average person is paying 192 bucks on their Valentine's Day love.
1: <laughs> this is just quick
0: quick memo quick quick memo to your husband if he's listening this part to <laughs> the pod.
1: I don't think we have celebrated Valentine's Day maybe since the first year we started dating. I don't even think we celebrated then, actually.
0: Not big in your house, big in <laughs> some other people's houses. All right, let's celebrate some birthdays here on this Valentine's Day. Mike Bloomberg, former mayor of New York City and the founder of the financial behemoth Bloomberg, turns 81 today. Carl Bernstein, one half of the Woodward and Bernstein journalistic duo that helped bring down Richard Nixon, turns 79 today. Jill, I should say I was uh, on his softball team last summer on a in a celebrity game that's played out out east on Long Island. Name dropper. <laughs> we ride the bench together, uh, though he has a better excuse at age 79. Woodward used to play too, apparently. And I do want to take a personal moment to wish my sister-in-law, Emily Wanunu, a happy birthday as well. She is a Valentine's Day baby.
1: Emily, happy birthday. She and I have become uh, Instagram friends, actually. Uh, we have a lot in common. Our our lives are very similar.
0: Your two kids are almost about the same ages. And interestingly, on this Black History Month, uh, Jill, Frederick Douglass claimed February 14th as his birthday. Officially, he didn't know what his birthday was. He was born to slavery. His mom died when he was very young, but his mother uh, reportedly called him her little Valentine's Day, so he officially just decided that his birthday was on February 14th. Frederick Douglass would, of course, go on to escape slavery, a famous writer, activist, and leader of the abolitionist movement in the 1800s. All right, before we go here on this on this day, a couple pop culture items on this day. 46 years ago, Jimmy Buffett released Margaritaville. All right, Joe, let's fast forward to the 90s. Uh, two uh, special mentions today on this day. 32 years ago, Boys to Men released their debut studio album, Coolie High Harmony with, of course, Motown Philly, End of the Road, and It's So Hard to Say Goodbye.
1: It's so hard. Of course, I picked the most depressing of the songs to sing.
0: (laughs) Motown Philly, man. You can go anywhere without hearing that on repeat in the early 90s. And then turning 31 years old today, Wayne's World, the movie with Mike Myers and Dana Carvey, premiered in theaters uh, after, of course, being a very successful SNL sketch.
1: Wayne's World, party time. Excellent. There we go. By the way, I don't think I've ever seen Wayne's World. <laughs> I just know the, this. everyone would walk around saying that.
0: Yeah, it, it was probably the one of the most successful SNL sketches turned films because they tried a few others, I remember, in the 90s, uh, and none of them quite, quite achieved the success and the kind of cultural influence that Wayne's World did at the time and interestingly wayne's world really brings bohemian rhapsody back into the kind of cultural ethos because it was such a long song and of course queen had so many hits but because of the way they played it and the success of the film bohemian rhapsody really took on a new life there in the 90s again a special thank you to magic spoon cereal our on this day sponsor this week remember to get your next bowl over at magicspooncom monews use the code monews to get five dollars off their variety pack
1: All right, we want to thank everyone for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow.
0: A reminder to all of those who live in a household where Valentine's Day is important, uh, you have a few hours to go on this Valentine's Day. So go get yourself a card, uh, flowers, or whatever jives in your household. Don't forget to follow us over on Instagram, Mo News Instagram account, at Mosh, at M-O-S-H-E-H. And feel free to email us your feedback. We have an email address, podcast at mo.news. Uh, with your thoughts, feedback, things you'd like us to do on this show.
1: All right, bye everyone. Have a great day.
0: See ya.